of you ever searched for buried treasure? Anybody? I wasn't really expecting that. Uh, but uh, I remember like when I was a kid, uh, my grandpa had a metal detector. And I would take that to the beach a few times and just hope that I could, you know, stumble across some buried treasure that would change my life. Uh, n never worked out. Uh, I maybe found like a spoon or something, but that was the extent. But the allure of finding buried treasure is so enticing, isn't it? I mean, how many movies and TV shows are based on finding lost or buried treasure? You know, just a few examples come to my mind. Uh, Indiana Jones, National Treasure, Pirates of the Caribbean. There are so many examples of finding that lost or buried treasure. Imagine you moved out of a house and you found out that underneath the, the land in that house, there was a life-changing amount of money. Now, on the one hand, talk about having a bad day, right? I think we would all be very disappointed. But on the other hand, doesn't really matter, right? Doesn't matter. The treasure doesn't matter to you unless you know that it existed and you know how to get it. As we talk about this topic of the third article of the Creed, I want to— uh, read a quote from Luther's large catechism. Uh, the large catechism is designed for pastors, whereas the small catechism, which we're going through, is designed for all Christians. And this is going to talk about uh, the treasure and where I want to go with this sermon. The quote says, Christ has acquired and gained the treasure for us by his suffering, death, and resurrection. But if the work remained concealed so that no one knew about it, then it would be useless and lost. So that this treasure might not stay buried, but be received and enjoyed, God caused the word to go forth and be proclaimed. In the word, he has the Holy Spirit bring, us the, uh, bring this treasure home and make it our own. Therefore, sanctifying is, bringing, is just bringing us to Christ so we receive this good, which we could not on our own, or we could not get ourselves. What a beautiful illustration and summary of the main work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the work of the Holy Spirit is important, but I, I don't think we talk about the Spirit a whole lot. Uh, let me just ask you this. How many of you, when you think of God, the Holy Spirit is the first thing you think of? In all three services, I've not had one person raise their hand, and that is exactly what I expected. Now, to be fair, that, that's kind of in line with how the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, too. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment, but it's kind of like how in a, a play or a musical, the people backstage are not the center of attention, right? They're not the spotlight, but what they do is still super important. You know, someone needs to do the, the non-glorious behind-the-scenes stuff. Not everybody can be in the spotlight, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to draw attention to itself. It doesn't want the spotlight. It wants the spotlight to be squarely on Jesus. Here's what I mean by not wanting the spotlight. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not the main focus of our salvation. In fact, when we think about what the Bible has told us about God, the, the three persons of the Trinity, we don't know that much about the third person. Right? The Bible tells us a lot about the first person of the Trinity, God the Father, right? That he has revealed himself to Abraham. He told Moses to tell Pharaoh that I am who I am sent him. 
We've seen God work through miracles and, and speak through the prophets. And in fact, we know him as our heavenly father. Then the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, was a, a man who walked the earth, lived in Galilee some 2,000 years ago. And we know a lot about him because of the Gospels. We know a lot about this person, arguably more than we do about the Father. But the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, is just more mysterious. Right? Often, even when we refer to the Holy Spirit, I think naturally we say, He, but that's not even how the Bible refers to the Spirit. In the Greek language, there are uh, three ways of, of categorizing uh, pronouns. There's uh, masculine, feminine, and then there's neuter, not having a, a particular gender. So like an object, you would say it. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It's more of a it. It's not even a, a him. And the Bible, in fact, talks about the Spirit in different ways at different times. Sometimes it talks about the Spirit as a helper. Sometimes as a comforter. Sometimes as taking on the form of a dove, sometimes taking on the form of a, a flame, sometimes as interceding on our behalf from with our own hearts. But in general, the Spirit doesn't fit into as neat of a box as maybe we'd like. There's just more mystery about the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't want the attention on itself. The Spirit points our attention to Jesus and to the will of the Father. Now, that does not mean that the Spirit is any weaker than the Father and the Son. And it doesn't mean that it's unimportant. It's just different. Because the work of the Holy Spirit is certainly important. Especially when you think about it in terms of that quote that I began with. If Jesus died for all, therefore winning the treasures of God for all people there was no way to receive it, then it's no good. It does us no good. We'd all still be dead in our transgressions. Helps us to see that the work of the Spirit is vitally important. And that's reflected in the Catechism. The very first thing it says about the Holy Spirit, under the what does this mean part, is what we uh, recited earlier. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. Jesus has won treasures for uh, the treasures of God for all people. He has given us eternal life, forgiven our, our damnable sins, granted us access to the Father, making us new, making us a child of God. But without the Holy Spirit, those treasures would stay hidden from us. No amount of using a metal detector, no amount of digging, no amount of being a good enough person or, or completing God's laws good enough would ever obtain those treasures. Those treasures that Jesus won for us can only be uncovered for us by the Holy Spirit. Another way I like to, to think about it is with this analogy. Let's say that there's someone who is just on the brink of death in the hospital, and they need medicine. Jesus is like that life-saving, that reviving medicine. 
But without the syringe or, or the IV, without the proper way of getting that medicine, that life-saving medicine into the body, it does no good. Without the Holy Spirit, you are not able to believe in Jesus. Therefore, you're not able to receive the treasures that he has won for you. Now, before the Holy Spirit can bring us to faith, the Holy Spirit works through God's law on our hearts. Holds up the, the Ten Commandments, God's standards of perfection, to show us what God expects from us. As we go through the catechism, this is the part of uh, catechism that is the three uses of the law. And this use is like a big old mirror. What does a mirror do? It shows you your blemishes. It shows you your faults. And when the Holy Spirit holds up this mirror of God's law, it shows us that we cannot and could not ever complete God's law. Can't live up to God's standard. And because of that, we face death. Then when we realize, oh man, I'm a sinner. I'm going to die. When we realize that, then the Holy Spirit works through the gospel. The Holy Spirit works to liven us. The Spirit allows us to, by faith, believe that though I have earned death because I can't live up to God's standard, though I deserve death, Jesus died in my place. The Spirit works through the gospel. That's literally what the gospel means, is good news. The good news that Jesus stood in your place. When we think about this in terms of baptism, especially because I'm, I'm guessing that most of us as Lutherans were baptized as babies, this is the part where our old sinful nature is killed, is drowned in the waters of baptism, and out of the waters of baptism comes a new person, the new creation in Christ. You see, God's law shows us our sin, shows us that we need a Savior in the words of the gospel, the good news, the words that are spoken over you in baptism is what brings you to life, what, what makes you alive in Christ. Now, just so we're clear on this, salvation only comes through Jesus, right? Jesus rightfully says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit did not die for you on the cross, God the Father did not die for you on the cross. But each person of the Trinity plays an important role in our salvation. And that goes hand in hand with the fact that we worship one God. Not three gods. One God, three separate and distinct persons. Now maybe some of you have seen this picture before. Uh, this picture, I think, just helps kind of do the best job of understanding the Trinity of understanding this, the separate and distinct person of the Trinity, how it's one God. Even with this, this falls short of allowing us to really grasp the Trinity. And so if you, when thinking about the Trinity, if your head is spinning, you're in the right place, right? There's, there's so much about our triune God that we can't understand. But what we do understand, what Scripture does tell us, is that God the Father and creator of all things, out of his great love for his fallen creatures, made a way 
for us. And his way for us was to send his son, Jesus, into the world to live a perfect life, to die an innocent death on our behalf. And it's the work of God the Holy Spirit that gives us access to those treasures that God has won for us through Jesus. The Holy Spirit is as important to our salvation as Jesus is. Without the Holy Spirit, we don't have the ability to believe that Jesus lived and died for us. Just like that quote from earlier, Jesus won all of God's treasures for all of humanity. But without the Holy Spirit to reveal them, they stay hidden from us. And I know when we think about this, it can make us think, wow, these, these treasures are amazing. And they are. All these treasures that the Holy Spirit has won for us, the forgiveness of sins, eternal life, making us God's child, you know, that, that would be amazing on its own. If that was it, that would be amazing. But that's just the beginning. The Holy Spirit also gives us the treasure of, of sanctifying us, of making us to look less like our old sinful self and more like Jesus. And when we do start to look like that old sinful self, he again holds up that mirror, shows us, hey, we're going off the road a bit. We're sinning, bringing us to repentance. And then he speaks the sweet message of the gospel that our sins are forgiven. Speaking of treasure and forgiveness, your baptism, the Lord's Supper, what amazing treasures those are. Your baptism, where for most of us, faith was created. You know, where, where the Holy Spirit originally gave you faith. Where your sins were washed away. And every time you receive the Lord's Supper, that is literally like God opening his treasure chest for you. You receive the very forgiveness of sins and your, your strength, your faith is strengthened. These quite truly are perhaps the most precious treasures we have, especially when you consider that we can see, taste, and touch them. The Holy Spirit also gathers us into a greater community, the church, where we are alongside other saved sinners, and we are given a new and greater context. And in this context with these people, we encourage and build each other up in the hope that we have in Jesus, that Christ has won for us. We get, to we get to walk alongside each other, going through the highs and lows of life, but built on the foundation of Jesus. The Spirit also, as a, as a part of this community, allows us to share this good news with others, we don't just get to keep this to ourselves. We get to share this amazing news of this treasure that Jesus has won for all people. Each of those things that the, each of those pieces of treasure that the Holy Spirit brings us to could be their own sermon, right? How the Spirit makes us holy, makes us look like Jesus. Uh, how our sins are forgiven. The sacraments about how it works through its word, and, and so on. The work that the Spirit does in our lives and in the life of the church is invaluable. 
though the Spirit doesn't want the spotlight, it still is vital to our salvation. It is still by the Spirit alone that we are called to faith, that we are enlightened by the gospel, that we are gathered into the body of believers, the church, that we receive the forgiveness of sins and the life everlasting. Thanks and praise be to God the Father who created and loved us, who made a way for us by sending his Son. Thanks and praise to Jesus, who out of his love for his Father and for his fallen creatures, took on flesh and willingly went to the cross. Thanks and praise to God the Holy Spirit, who has given us the ability to believe in Jesus and receive the treasures that he has won for us. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for how you work in our lives. Thank you for the work of the Spirit that has called us to faith, that has uh, given us access to those wonderful treasures that you won for us through your Son. Lord, we don't understand how you work. Triune God, three, three persons, one Godhead, Lord, but we, we thank you for your plan of salvation, how uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all working for our good. Lord, help us to, uh, to share that good news, to, to share that news about this amazing treasure that you have won for us with all those encounter, we encounter. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand as we continue with our next song.